Formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and today I have with me Father Kevin Dyer. Father Kevin joined the Jesuits in 1999. He was ordained in 2010, and in 2019, he became a part-time national chaplain for Focus. In 2022, he accepted the role of senior national chaplain. Father Kevin, it's great to have you with us today. Good to be with you, Jess. So, Father, I wanted to have you on the show today because we are preparing for something very exciting. In about a month here, we will have over 100 missionaries on an Ignatian retreat. And so I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about what is an Ignatian Mm -hmm. retreat and also how you prepare to go on one. And so, of course, for this, I needed a Jesuit priest. So please tell us, what is an Ignatian retreat? I mean, an Ignatian retreat is going to go back to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And so this is the retreat that he assembled from his own experience and passed on to the church and to the Jesuits. So, you know, myself as a Jesuit, I did the full version of the spiritual exercises, which is a 30-day retreat twice in my life once as a novice, and then again after I was ordained a priest at the a stage of our formation, which we call tertianship. But then each year, Jesuits will make an eight-day version of the spiritual exercises. What's interesting about this retreat is that it can be given in a number of different forms. It can be given in a five-day format. It can be given in you know daily life. It goes back to St. Ignatius's conversion, and then his process of trying to determine how the Lord was calling him to serve. As he sought the Lord in prayer, as he sought out advice from holy people, he wrote down in a journal the things that he learned. And from all these assembled notes, he gathered a booklet. Now, the spiritual exercises are a weird thing in that if you went to the store and picked up a copy of the spiritual exercises thinking, oh, I'm going to you know, really learn something about the spiritual life by this book I've heard so much about, the spiritual exercises. If you just picked up the book and started reading it, you would be lost and wonder, what is this? Why does anybody think that this is so important? The reason is the spiritual exercises themselves as a book are not a book that you read from cover to cover. They're more like a a football playbook. Mm. So a director in a retreat will look at the different meditations, bits of advice, the things that are in this booklet, and they will give it to the person making the retreat in order to lead them through an experience of God. So leading a person through an experience of God is it's an important distinction to have in mind. It's different than a just a regular silent retreat. So if I just wanted to spend some days in silence, uh, that would be a good and worthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have silence, I have scripture, I start praying, and I just see where the Holy Spirit leads me. That is a great thing. What the spiritual exercises do is they add to it a particular direction. So they they lead you through certain graces that you are seeking. Uh, They lead you through a journey 
in order to arrive at a certain destination. The exercises are divided into weeks that don't necessarily last seven days, but they're periods within the retreat. The first is about sin and redemption. And so having prayed about sin and redemption and my purpose in life and God's salvation, I'm then led to contemplate in the second week the life of Jesus and be formed by the life of Jesus and to ask, begin asking the question, Jesus, how do you want me to serve you? And then I follow his life to what's the third week, the passion, and contemplate the passion. And then arrive in the fourth week at the resurrection. And at the end of this, St. Ignatius hopes that the retreatant, just filled with gratitude at all of the graces that they've received from God in their life, will then be inspired by a tremendous desire to serve God, to put their love into action in a very particular way. So the exercises just, you know, focus doesn't have a particular spirituality. But the spiritual exercises have always fit in well as one you know, tool to be used for missionaries because they result in such obviously missionary graces. You know, they fit very well into uh, a missionary's life, regardless of what their own you know, spirituality is. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a great thing over the years with Focus, offering the spiritual exercises as a way to you know, just help missionaries enter more deeply into their life uh, within focus and within discipleship. So, Father Kevin, you mentioned a couple things that I want to dive into here. First is the name of the retreat is actually the spiritual exercises. Mm -hmm. Now, that's, that's great because spiritual exercise is really the only kind of exercise I'm interested in. <laughs> Could you please tell us why it's called spiritual exercises? So, when I first got involved, there was a Jesuit named Father Joe Hill who would help in giving the retreat. And when he would introduce the spiritual exercise, he was a pretty intense guy. You know, he would always tell the missionaries, you know, these are spiritual exercises. Not spiritual, I'm gonna just lay back and, you know, bask in the glow. No, I gotta put some work in it. And there's there's a and there is an element in the spiritual exercises where like you're given things to do. You're given meditation. So normally a person will do four or five meditations each day that are over specific content. In addition to examinations of conscience, reading sacred scripture, taking a walk, going to confession, going to mass, spiritual direction. There are specific things that we do and they are meant to prepare ourselves. Now, this is interesting, and it gets at the heart of really the Catholic view of the world. We do things to prepare ourselves, always knowing, though, that at the end of the day, we have to rely upon God. We can't make God show up. God inspires us to prepare our souls to receive a greater and deeper grace. So there's always that back and forth. You could err on one side by just saying, oh, well, God's got this. He's going to make it happen. Or you could err on the other side saying, I have to make it happen. And the answer in the spiritual exercises is no. God invites you to cooperate and participate in preparing yourself to receive the further grace he wants to give you. That's such a good way to say that. Now, another thing you mentioned was silence. So a lot of our missionaries have never made a silent retreat before on mm -hmm. a lot of 
focus retreats, we yep. have praise and worship and small groups, but this is different. Mm-hmm. On a focus Ignatian retreat, you maybe have a conference in the evening mm-hmm. and you go to daily mass and meet with your director once a day. But then other than that, you're in silence and prayer. As a leader on these retreats, are you watching the missionaries making guesses about who's going to crack under the silence first? (laughs) You know, the thing about silence is if we haven't done a silent retreat before, we're understandably somewhat scared and intimidated by the silence. And sometimes we can enter into a silent retreat with an attitude that's a little bit off. So sometimes people will enter in thinking, all right, let's see if I can be silent. And so their entire outlook is just saying, all right, I got I to gotta be as silent as possible. And they spend all their time thinking about the silence as if it's the final end. But silence is simply a means. You know, silence is one of those other things that we do to prepare our soul and dispose of our soul to receive something. So we clear distraction, we clear away all of those things that clutter our minds. And in that calming of our minds and hearts, then the Holy Spirit is able to work in a deeper way and we're able to notice in a deeper way the, you know, the way the Holy Spirit is uh, at work. So you know, I always try to tell people, don't be afraid or intimidated by silence. Now, there, there are ways you can prepare yourself for silence. The biggest one being just to shut off your phone and the internet and media because our minds are just so easily distracted in the digital age that you know, sometimes it, it's an obstacle to entering into silence. So if we just spend a little bit of time leading up to the retreat, in clearing away those distractions, we'll enter into it more easily. You know, if we take time to get some sleep, uh, you know, that can that can help us enter into the silence because we're not nodding off every time that we try to be quiet. Or, you know, fasting is something which clarifies the mind, focuses the mind. Uh, another thing that can help us in the uh, to enter into silence. Yeah, I think that for me, I love silence. I find it uh, to be relaxing, but then also I can really hear God's voice clearly in the silence. But before I make a retreat, I always try to turn off all the notifications on my phone. Sometimes I just delete some of the apps that Mm -hmm. I tend to scroll on because that's part of silence too. Mm -hmm. And usually like the first day of the retreat, I find that it's difficult to not Mm -hmm. be looking at my phone that I used to use every day. But then after a while, it's just such an experience of God in the silence that I don't want to return to my phone or to the noise of the world. And don't you find, too, that sometimes what keeps us from silence is being afraid, just afraid of what's going on within our own hearts. Yeah. Because in the silence, we're, we're just we're faced with the things that maybe we're trying to turn our heads away from, that we're trying to ignore. All this stuff starts to pop up. And... You know, we're fickle human beings. We think, oh, God can't handle this. And then each time, you know, God proves himself again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. You know, we go through feelings uh, and different things when we're in the world, and we kind of try to distract ourselves. I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to watch a show, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to keep working, uh, or whatever. And then on a silent retreat, 
you have to face those realities. And God very gently brings them up Mm -hmm. in the silence so that he can address the places in our heart that we're afraid to look at. Mm -hmm. Tell us why someone makes an Ignatian retreat specifically. Mm -hmm. So there there would be a few reasons. The, The primary reason why someone would make the spiritual exercises is because they have an election to make. Okay, that's a technical term that St. Ignatius uses, which basically means you have an important decision. So you want to determine, you know, I want to pray about my vocation, or I want to pray about taking a new job, or just, you know, some big decision that I have to make. Let me enter into it in the best way possible by, again, preparing and disposing my soul to rid itself of obstacles, and to receive whatever inspiration that God might want to give. But then there are also other reasons to make the spiritual exercises, which St. Ignatius talks about, and that would include just a reformation of life. I don't have a big decision to make. I just want to be a more authentic disciple. I want to be aware of what's getting in the way, what I need to rid from my life, and just ask the question, how can I grow closer to Jesus and serve him better? So that would be another reason to make the spiritual exercises. You know, for a focused missionary, you know, it's yeah, it's just pretty obvious. Over the course of the year, I go through a lot of, you know, wounds and body blows, and I can lose sight of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so the spiritual exercises can be a good way of healing those wounds, refocusing my vision, and getting back to the heart of the matter. You know why it is that I'm doing this as a service to to Jesus Christ to love and serve Him in all things. Yeah, I think that those two reasons why you would make a retreat, either because you need to pray about a big decision that you have to make, or just you want to reform your life and be a better disciple, those two reasons are why it's my hope that every missionary would have the opportunity to make at least one Ignatian retreat before they depart our staff. Mm -hmm. But I do know some missionaries who've been on staff for, you know, five, six, sometimes even 10 years, make them every year Mm -hmm. and find it to be an extremely valuable way to deepen their relationship with our Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had a number. Well, back in the day, Jim Jansen was always famous when we were at Illinois and other places, and it was easy for him to get to the eight-day retreat after NST. He was a stalwart. He was always there. And there are a number of people on staff who made multiple eight-day retreats uh, or when we had the five-day retreat or here in Denver. And, yeah, it's just always something which can be good for the soul. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where at first someone would be like, well, why would I want to pray with the same stuff I prayed with last time? And I said, well, you know, Jesuits pray with the same stuff every year. And the reason why it makes sense is that, you know, Ignatius even says that when we're praying, when we're doing spiritual exercises, it's not so much that we're trying to learn a lot of new things, but rather we're trying to, to taste, to relish, to, to savor, to experience in a deeper way things that we already know. We're not going to come away you know, having discovered some new mystery of the faith. But rather, something that was in our head will sink down to our heart uh, or even to you know, our guts and become um, 
a deeper aspect of how we see the world and live our life. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the feasts of the church. Each year you pray with Christmas and Easter, and each year it's deeper for you because you're experiencing it in a deeper place in your relationship with Christ. And also you've gone through different things in your life. And so those mysteries take on a new meaning for you each year. And in uh, the spiritual exercises, you're simply meditating on the mysteries of Christ. Right, right. Yeah, it's just a deeper relationship with Jesus. So, Father, you make an Ignatian retreat every year. Mm-hmm. How do you prepare for that retreat before you get there? You know, we already mentioned that, you know, quieting yourself ahead of time, removing distractions as a preparation can be really important. You know, if possible, getting some sleep, getting some rest will help you. Uh, sometimes in a life of a missionary, it's next to impossible at the end of the semester uh, or at the end of NST uh, with all the stuff going on, but you know, to the extent possible, get some rest so that you can more easily enter in. It's also important just to have the raw materials that you need. Make sure you have a Bible. Uh, if they want you to have a copy of the spiritual exercises, a journal, you don't need much, but to have you know, a few things. What you don't need to do is come in with a huge stack of reading the director will normally help you out if you're going to do spiritual reading or not do uh, spiritual reading while you're on the retreat. You know, I would say that you could be aware of what it is that you seek going into the retreat. Now, also take that with a grain of salt. Be aware of what you seek going in, but also allow God to reveal to you in the silence what you seek that you did not know that you saw it. (laughs) God can always surprise you. That's true. And I suppose it's also important to have an attitude of docility towards the director that Mm -hmm. you're assigned to. Very much so. And, you know, the director and the relationship with the director, especially if you haven't received spiritual direction much, people can misunderstand what the director is all about. Yeah, the director is not there for you to share every deep, dark secret of your life. The director is simply there to lead you through. Another misunderstanding, sometimes people think, well, then that means the director is just there to guess what is going on, you know, with their spiritual powers to guess exactly what's going on in your heart. That's also mistaken because the director needs to know what authentically is happening. So what what are the important things that are happening in your prayer? So you need to go in with a certain level of trust that I'm just going to be open with my director. I'm not going to look to impress my director with how awesome my prayer is, anything like that. I'm just going to be honest about what's actually happening. And then that helps the director lead you. Another misconception is that my retreat is completely dependent upon my director because the director is the spiritual guru who's there to tell me everything about my life and to tell me what God's will is for me. And if I don't get the right director, then everything is shot. And that's also a big mistake. The director is simply there to help point you in a certain direction. And it's God that does most of the work, you know, and your cooperation with God's grace. So, you know, we, it's an obstacle to go into a retreat thinking I can only have a good retreat if I have director X. 
I've had a number of different directors of the spiritual exercises in my life and had a number of good retreats with a variety of people. Yeah, I've noticed that attitude with our missionaries. Like, if they get one of the priests, they act like they won the lottery. They Mm -hmm. win. Uh, But we have religious women there. We also have lay people there serving Mm -hmm. as directors. And there can be a little bit of a disappointment. And I think that that shows uh, a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. There's too much emphasis placed on the director relationship and not enough faith in God that he is going to speak to you no matter which director you get. So yeah. I think that there's it's important to remember both things. One, you should be docile to your director and pray with whatever your director says, mm-hmm. but it's not all about your director. They're not making the retreat for you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah the director is not making your retreat for you. Also, you're not making the retreat for yourself. Uh, you're trusting that this is a cooperation, that you're cooperating with God, as we said before, and he's faithful, he will lead you through, Uh, yeah, Yeah. all will be well. And you're also not making it for your director, like you said. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't come into the direction appointments feeling like you have to impress the director, which is something you shouldn't feel, but at the same time, so human. I know I've felt that before, like, is my prayer good enough? I didn't feel like anything was happening. We we all have. (laughs) Well, Father Kevin, do you have any more advice for our missionaries who are preparing for our upcoming silent retreats or just anybody who wants Mm -hmm. to go on an Ignatian retreat in the future? I would just recommend to have a firm sense of trust that God is gracious. He wants to do good things. And if we give him the opportunity, if we take a little bit of a chance, give him that little bit of space, Uh, he will be alive and active. Maybe a last thing that I would say is God wants to do two things. He wants to heal you of sin and of the internal wounds. And he also wants to equip you to serve him, to to make a big sacrifice for him, to be generous in response to his grace. So there's There's two movements there. So just be, prepare yourself for both those movements, that God is good and will heal you, and he will also call you to serve. Excellent. Words to live by. Well, I'm excited for this retreat, and I pray that everybody who makes an Ignatian retreat with focus this year will have that generosity in their hearts so that they can serve the Lord in a deeper way. So, Father Kevin, thanks for joining me today. Could you offer a blessing for our listeners? I will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God Almighty Father, I give you thanks and praise for your great glory, the glory of your divine majesty that rules this world, watches over it, sees it, that guides it back to you. give you thanks and praise for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross for us to redeem us from sin, uh, to save us give you thanks and praise for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which has been poured into our hearts that we might cry out, Abba, Father. Pray, Lord, that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, you might pour out that Holy Spirit upon each of us to renew the grace of our redemption, of our sanctification. Pray that many people might be drawn to make the spiritual exercises so that following that path that St. Ignatius 
set out that we might become more authentic disciples, that we might grow in gratitude for your many graces, and that we might love you and serve you in all things. And may Almighty God bless all of you listening today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Father Kevin, and thanks everyone for listening.